Welcome to episode 10 of I Quit Blank and Started Running. Oh my gosh, we made it to the double digits. I am so excited. If you haven't yet had a chance to listen in, this podcast features people who turn to running as a way to overcome a particular challenge in their lives. Join me each week as I share inspiring stories of where they started, what it was that made them want to change, how running factored in, and where they are today. I am your host, Antonia De Heinrich. And I am excited to announce that this podcast is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts, which is probably where you're listening today. Today, I would like to take the opportunity to thank all of my listeners and subscribers for your ratings, and especially to Ski Yoten, Sri Skesarin, Pony JM, Lupita Sonoma, and Janet KV for your reviews. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I am so grateful for your support. If you would like to subscribe and leave a review or a rating, I'll be eternally grateful to you. It would not only mean the world to me, but also to my amazing guests who are all willing to share their stories with you. My guest today is my close friend, Trisha. You may have heard her name in my very first episode when she was given a shout out about talking me through the last few miles of hell of my first and only marathon in Big Sur over eight years ago. We've been friends for almost half our lives, and while most of our friendship has been long distance between the US and the UK, we've been pretty great about keeping in touch. While we will always cherish our mid-2000s glory days in New York City, we are now growing even closer over launching into entrepreneurship and, of course, our passion for running and inspiring others to get moving. Good morning, Trisha. I'm so happy you're here. I know it's Monday and it's your Groundhog Day, but I'm excited to be speaking with you today. And let's jump in with a quick introduction. What is your name? Where are you from? And what do you do? Hey, Antonio. It's great to be here. Um, and thank you so much for mixing up my Groundhog Day. This is definitely going to be the highlight. Um, but my name is Trisha, and I am originally from Scotland. So hopefully everyone's going to be able to understand what I say. Um, but I have worked um, in the sports world for most of my life, um, where I've kind of worked in creating brand value from sports investments. And I've always been really interested in using sport for good purpose and outcomes. And um, sports just really been quite a big part of my life. Um, and I'm super passionate about it. So I'm really excited to talk to you about it today. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to get some good banter going on this interview. <laughs> so when was your recent, your most recent run and how did it go? Uh, my recent run was Friday and um, I ran along the beachfront because I'm currently in Barcelona at the moment. And I literally ran like a donkey. I just was like, it was so hard. And you just know you have one of those days where it's just hard work and you just got to get through it. Um, but I think my body's also getting a bit older. So I purposefully didn't time myself. I wasn't hard on myself. I was like, let's just get through this and have that little, you know, high five to myself when I finished. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, I've definitely had those moments in the past week. Um, 
Although I do try to not make age an excuse, but unfortunately <laughs> it is the, it is reality, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's like, I look back at some of my times, which I really shouldn't really look at times so it's not important. And I'm like, what happened? It's like my hips have just suddenly gone, uh-uh, we're just not going to move faster. <laughs> yeah, same. I was like, I, my first half marathon was a 202, and I was like, oh, I'm going to start, you know, training for a sub two, and I've just gotten slower since, so there's that. <laughs> I know. I, well, I keep thinking, at least we're still going, and we're still moving, and it's not stopping us, so high five to us. <laughs> true that, true that. Well, <laughs> speaking of age, um, we met 15 years ago in New York City. Oh, my God, that makes us old. We were working at the same <laughs> software company. Um, and at the time, I, I certainly wasn't much of an athlete, unless you count signing up for a fancy gym for pool access and to flirt with the boys. Um, I think we both made it a point to stand in the finish area of the New York City Marathon several years in a row, and we were admiring the runners with zero intention to ever run ourselves, let alone that distance. How would you rate your athletic efforts during that time, and how much of a bad influence was life in New York City circa 2005? 2005 I mean it was an incredible moment in time to be able to live in New York and meet you and hang out and create one of my best friendships um and I do kind of remember being at that finish line and I think we'd been at a long brunch uh, because you know in New York it's all about the Sunday brunch and I remember kind of looking going wow it's so amazing what these people have done but I never, ever thought that I would be able to run a marathon. I was like, I'm just not built for it. My, you know, my knees and my back, and it's just not going to happen. Um, but then I do also remember, because I, when I was in New York, it was a bit nomadic, that I was only supposed to be there for a short period of time, and then it kind of kept getting extended. So it's quite hard to kind of get stability and a routine. Um, and I think by, and also the gym memberships, you'd have to sign up for a year, et cetera. So... Um, I did actually kind of do quite a bit of running up and down the West Side Highway because that's kind of generally I lived on that side of the city and um, it was kind of my way of, of having release it was free it was flexible and it was just beautiful kind of seeing you know um, the city generally at night or I, I'm not a morning runner so um, I do remember doing a bit of exercise, but I have to say, I don't think it was massively top of our priority list. I think we were busy, too busy having fun. And that was definitely one of my more lax moments where I wasn't really um, exercising as much as I would do now. But um, when I kind of look back, you know, in my early years, sports and activity has always been a big factor. Um, and you know, wherever I go, or wherever I've lived, being able to kind of put on my trainers and go out running has been like a lifesaver and a bit of a lifeline. It's my kind of go-to place. I've always been really sporty. I was from a very sporty family, two very uh, sporty sisters. And, um, you know, it was kind of my go-to place where it made me feel happy because there's so much, you know, social pressures and even more so today for, you know, young girls to kind of be beautiful or be successful and I really wasn't very bonny, so that's pretty in Scottish translation, um, when I was growing up and I really felt being slim was my power. I kind of just focused on trying to be fit and strong and healthy. So there was a lot, I lived in the countryside, 
in Scotland. So there wasn't any gyms, there wasn't really access to anything apart from the countryside to go running. Or I also had as the backup, the Cindy Crawford workout video, which was oh on the- Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved my Cindy Crawford workout video. I mean, it was ridiculous. She was like working out in a pair of like cut off denim um, shorts a little white vest top and looked smoking and was doing it on the beach in California. And then I'm like stuck in Scotland with the rain outside um, and, a, and a little chair holding on to do my lunges. But it was good inspiration to keep me going. Love a bit of sending. Um, but I did do a lot of running. Um, and, you know, I also that kind of followed me through my life where it was a kind of, um, I guess, a bit of a control, you know, with when I when I look back at uni, I started going running over meal times because I was trying to compensate that I was out drinking and drinking so much and having too many calories. I thought I could try and balance it out by running, but we all know that doesn't kind of add up and it is that you've got to be healthy with what you put into your body rather than just expecting to exercise and burn it all off. And I think it's funny when you look back and you realize how you make such kind of poor life choices. I mean, in the UK, it's a real drinking culture. And when you first get that, that taste of freedom, you, you really focus on all the bad things that you can do to your body and not the good things. And I guess we were a bit like that in New York. We were just like, you know, this is so much fun. We were drinking cocktails and it was good times. But I think probably again, retrospectively, like when you have your low moments, it's so easy just to kind of keep the bad habits, but actually running was the way to kind of counterbalance it and kind of make you feel good about yourself. I mean, I guess that might be a question to you, Antonia, because I guess we're both reflecting back on New York days and how we actually managed our mind and our body. What were your recollections? Well, it's funny that you say that because I never made poor life choices ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, my recollection of you running along the West Side Highway didn't exist, so there's that. But um, I certainly did not run. I may have gone to the gym, as I said, just to to flirt with the boys and, and take advantage of the pool. But I was not much of a worker outer. We we always checked out the newest restaurants and. You know, I, I think in general, we just stayed up later in New York and there's yeah. a lot of happy hours, like multiple times a week. And then I, of course, was smoking like a chimney. So that didn't help anything. So my recollection yeah. of New York was similar to yours as far as, you know, the, the fun level was up there. Um, it certainly was the, the early years in New York between 2003 and 2000 six were probably my favorite years of my life in many ways and um but it, they were also some of the most unhealthy times in my life and uh <laughs> and i was interested in in being healthy i didn't really it didn't really cross my mind i was like oh i'm in my you know 20s and i don't really need to worry about health i'm skinny and that's all that counts really yeah no, it's funny, isn't it? You're in your 20s, you're like, yay, let's go, let's have fun. And actually, you just don't think about the long-term impact until you're a bit later down the line. You're like, oh, actually, maybe I should have had a better balance and maybe things you know, might have worked out a little bit differently. But I guess that's just life's journey and learning. I do remember you saying, 
I'm going to run a marathon. And you'd never handled any running. I'd never seen you run and you smoked like a chimney. And I remember thinking in my head, I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's believe it when I see it. I was like, but it was good. You had the kind of long-term goal that one day you were going to do it. And I you did. I don't remember mentioning that to you either. I must have had I a couple know. of Cosmos. <laughs> no, I do. It was very cool. It was definitely there. It was a, it was a dream for the future. You were like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it one day. So you had the intent and then you made it happen. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> so when speaking of, you know, our shift from because my shift happened when I was 29 and I realized that I'd been smoking for 15 years and I was like I got to I got to start focusing on my health because I think with my 30s looming it was one of those things where I was I was sort of snapped back into reality, you know? Yeah. So there were a couple of significant life events for you that sort of caused the switch from running as exercise or necessary evil get it over with to running for your happy place do you want to tell us what happened yeah i mean um it is interesting on that journey how running's kind of shifted from that you know body weight management to a much more mental health management um and i think there were definitely a couple of key moments where where that kind of triggered. And the first one was after like a proper heartbreak where I really thought I'd find the person that was gonna be my wingman in life. And we were meant to be together. And in actual fact, it was very destructive. And I think again, I was just following this path that society sets out that you're supposed to meet somebody, you get married, and that you have to kind of compromise in relationships and that's what relationships are supposed to be if you love someone. But like through it all, I'd actually lost who I was and what I wanted out of the relationship. Um, rather tellingly, I did no exercise when I was with him, which is really unusual for me because you know, as I said, you know, since an early age, I was always exercised. I've done some form of exercise and I did really I don't even recall doing anything and um, we had a lot of kind of pressures from his he had kids from a previous marriage they stay every weekend we actually moved houses a lot and we're doing renovations and there was kind of work and financial pressures and it just kind of went off my radar and I think even when when I've got some friends who who kind of come into my roles and later later on in life and they can't get their head around that I did no exercise they're like what I mean, that just doesn't add up. And I think that, it, weirdly, I wonder whether it was part of, I mean, it was, the relationship was a mess. It all unraveled. And it was, I think everybody in their life has to have that utter heartbreak and then build themselves back up because you just actually realize your own value and self-worth. And so I was kind of in this just devastated, broken didn't know how I was going to rebuild my life. Um, you know, when you break up with somebody, suddenly you've got this massive void. Um, and actually, um, I decided to sign up to a sprint triathlon because I think it was like, well, why not? Let's just give it a go and give me something to focus on and to fill the time. So I went from nothing to running, swimming, sort of cycling because my bike was a bit average. And um, I did my, I think I started in training in about June and then the triathlon was in August. So I kind of went zero to 
my own hero. I wouldn't say that I was a hero in any stretch of my performance. And that because I actually remember I had this massive meltdown the day before the try and had no sleep. So I was like just kind of in autopilot kind of going, I'm going to do a triathlon. I've kind of no idea what's gonna happen. I've got had no sleep and um I remember being on the beach down on the coast in, in England and everyone like running into the water and in your first triathlon it's like everyone just swims over you and I was like what is actually going on here and I was like swimming for my life I was like just swim and keep going and then kind of getting on my bike and everyone shouting at me because I was in the wrong lane and I just had no idea about the etiquette but anyway I did it and it was an amazing achievement and I was so proud of myself um and then I had um a friend also then got me a space in this kind of new half marathon was happening in central London in the Royal Parks that was happening in October over my birthday weekend. And I was like, I'm just gonna do it. because so I just kind of kept going and I just kept running. And um, I used to run along the banks of the river in Southwest London, listening to the best disco album in the world ever. And obviously, Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive, was a prominent song that was on repeat, um, which is super cheesy, but it just really helps because I think it helped me just kind of build myself back up and build the kind of confidence that each day, you know, even if I wasn't running fast, I'd achieve something and, and I'd achieve something for myself. Um, and, you know, the whole kind of breakup and doing exercise just gave me a massive lesson and kind of valuing myself and realizing I deserve better. And also that another person can't make you happy. Um, and I'd kind of lost myself in that relationship thinking, this is what you do. This is what you do. This is what relationships are about. And actually if you're not happy or get what you want out of the relationship, then it's never going to work. So that was kind of like a, a big moment. And then there was a second moment um, where I used running as a kind of coping mechanism when I got promoted at work to a kind of director level job and I got like massive imposter syndrome. Like my whole brain was saying, you can't do this. You're not good enough. You don't deserve this. You're going to fail. And I was totally capable of doing the job. And um, I did, it was frightening how my mind just went into this place where there was a really powerful voice of doubt that rose up. And um, again, I got um, a place in the London Marathon and I was like, do you know what, it's now or never. I just got to give this a go and just and see you know, if other people do it. Like people do it in six hours. It's like, you know, you don't have to run a marathon and sub four, sub three, just do it. Um, and so I threw myself into the training. I didn't listen to any music this time. There was no glory again, or I just actually found it a really therapeutic way to calm my mind. And I would just get out and run and it became like my escape and the kind of treasured silence to be able to connect with myself and getting into that rhythm and just letting go of all this expectations and judgments that I was putting on myself. Nobody else was, it was just all me. Um, but I kind of got into this, you know, like when you start running, not like I am now, cause I run running like a donkey, but you run and you, you feel so strong that you can just keep running. Like you kind of feel like Forrest Gump. You're like, 
I'm just going to go. And I loved it. It was like every week, the sense of achievement of running further than I'd ever run before. So every week I was like, oh my God, I've done something different, new in my life that I've run seven miles, I've run eight miles, I've run nine miles. And um, that was really rewarding having that. But I mean, it was tough because training for a marathon, the London Marathon, you got to train through the British winter. And I remember running again along this river with hailstones and freezing, and it was just pretty brutal. But it kind of gave you resilience. It kind of built you up. And it was, again, having that target of going, well, I've got to do this. If I need to finish the marathon, then I've got to keep training. So I would say, um, you know, that from a kind of really negative place um, of doubting myself and having this imposter um, syndrome having that focus of the marathon that was really tangible and very clear um, sense of achievement was really helped me through it along with a little bit of coaching on the side at work by the way but um, when I completed the London marathon in 2012 it literally to this day is still the best day of my life because that sense of achievement and really tangible achievement of having that medal was just awesome because it's like, I think it's about 0.5% of the US population have run, run a marathon. So I was using the Nike app at the time for training. And I remember when you kind of put in, it was when it had a USB stick and I put it in and they're like, oh my God, you've done a marathon. Well done. You're like the top 0.5% of the population. I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And um that was amazing. It was really emotional. All my family came down, were cheering me on. And I remember someone saying to me, right, tips for the marathon. Don't go out too quickly. Really, you'll be overexcited. Go slow and never think you've done it until you've crossed the finish line because you just don't know what's going to happen. And I think it was from like mile 21. Suddenly everything changed and I felt like I was in this war zone and people were like, falling to the side I had a womble overtake me and I was like oh my gosh this is I'm properly going into the hurt zone um and I remember coming up round to birdcage walk which is just before Buckingham Palace and just kind of being like right Trisha just you know take it easy you're not there yet just you've got to keep going and seeing um a medical tent to the right and I later found out that this girl, this 20, you know, mid-20s girl, sadly died um, just before she got to the finish line. And it was a really humbling, just devastatingly sad moment of which made, gave, kind of gave you context of what you'd achieved, but also just how sad it was for this poor girl and the family. Um, and she'd just taken some... Um, uh, I don't know, like some supplements, some gym supplements and had reacted badly. And it was just really, really sad. Um, but, you know, it was still that moment of going, wow, I've just managed to do a marathon. I never thought I would. <laughs> and it's, it was incredible. I mean, how did you feel after you did yours? Well, you know, the answer to this, because <laughs> I, I didn't realize, or I mean, I, did remember that you did the marathon in 2012 but it must have been like a month before I did my first marathon yeah it was yeah what month was the London marathon well yeah it's April okay so it was literally the same month 
Okay, because I remember my mar- my first marathon was the Big Sur on April 29th of 2012, I believe. And you and I had been in contact because you had just finished London and it was one of, you know, you told me that your time and I was like, oh gosh, I, I guess I need to be around the same time. And I remember, well, first of all, I had no idea what I was getting myself into with Big Sur. Um, uh, I can't was, believe you said Big Sur. I'm like, go, I mean, Antoine, it was like, go big or go home. That was, I was, it was so impressive. You went, you went big. Well, I didn't realize that it was big, honestly, until, you know, we were in the starting area at five o'clock in the morning. It was cold. It was in Big Sur. It was dark. And, you know, I was alone and nobody, I didn't know anybody. And we just started, you know, how ch- people start chatting in the, in the start area. And this one dude goes, oh, so this is your first marathon? Wow. I mean, you picked a good one. And I'm like, uh, and now my nerves were shot, right? Right off the bat, I was already <laughs> in like fear zone. And, uh, oh my God. and so I started running and I enjoyed the first half. And then the second half, I ran down the hill too fast and it just ruined something in my knees. I don't know what I did, but I just remember being in pain. And I think as I was coming up to Carmel, probably pretty much mile 21 or my mile 22, and I called you, remember? Yes, I remember where I was. Where were you? I was like at the, on the South Bank in, in London. I was about to go into the theater with my friends and we were sitting having like a gin and tonic outside and I got your call and I was like, oh Lord, I'm going to talk, I have to talk her off the edge. You, you certainly did because I think we were on the phone for at least 10 minutes, if not 15. And you ran me through like my personal war zone. And um, I remember being in so much pain, my knees were hurting. And then the, the way the road up to Carmel is, you know, the turns just make your ankles hurt. It was just, it was just, I was crying. I think you were on the phone with me while I was crying. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I mean, it was kind of a blessing that I'd just done one because then I could empathize and really kind of help you through it. Because, I mean, it is brutal. Those last, you know, four or five miles are just hard. I think it's just trying to have that perspective that, you know, I was kind of... A, just it's like you can do it even if you walk you can do it you can do it it's just and I think that's again probably for people that might be fearful about running a marathon it's just not beating yourself up and kind of thinking you've got to go for this ace time it's if you need to walk you need to take time out it's totally fine (laughs) that's that's certainly what I learned because I was going for a pace or a time and I, I knew after that first half that 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 was no longer the goal. The goal was just to get through the finish line. Yeah, and I actually definitely got to that place. I think secretly you're always like, oh, I wish I could get this time. But I remember kind of going, do you know what? I just want to finish this because you just can't take it for granted. And especially with the, that the girl passing, it was really sad and just humbling just to kind of go, you know, it's okay to just walk or you just take your time. It's just that being able to do it is incredible. But it's everyone can do it. It is achievable for everybody, I think. Like, you don't have to run fast, but you can um, walk and run, and it is 
possible. You just have to train properly. That's the key bit. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. And also like um, train properly and eat the right things because I did like no research on it. This is a classic tea moment where you just kind of go, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I remember kind of going into my kitchen on one of the longer runs and kind of going, I think I'm supposed to take some food to kind of help me. And all I had in my cupboard was dried apricots that I could kind of carry with me. So they became my like, you know, uh, nutrition of my run that was always dried apricots you know most people had jelly babies or gels but I went for dried apricots <laughs> well you went to, you went in that natural way the natural way exactly and then my um my friend was like listen I'll meet you at mile 20 and give you some kind of food or banana or whatever and I was like cool and um I got her and then she handed me a gel and I was like, oh my God, because you know, gels can go one way or another. Gels are not, you've got to train your body to be able to take gels because they can be quite um, hard on your tummy. And I was like gutted because I was expecting like peanut butter or banana or something. And then there's this gel. I was like, oh, okay, I'll have another dried apricot. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I, I will say one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten was never try something new on race day yeah absolutely it goes from gear and to to nutrition for sure definitely nutrition do not try something new in you know how you kind of get swept away in the uh, sign up area or whatever where they have all the yeah. all the vendors and whatnot and you're like tempted to try something no don't do it <laughs> no i know i actually remember i put I bought like a, a bum bag. I know what, what do you call it in America? I can't remember what you call them. A fanny pack. Nice. Nice. <laughs> well, that's what, that's what you call it in America, isn't it? Anyway, yeah. A bum bag. And uh, I put my phone in it um, because I was like, you know, obviously I wasn't listening to music, so I don't really need it. I only needed it just if I was going to call my family um, just to check where they were, just to try and. Um, because actually, I remember I ran past one bit and they were so busy talking to each other, they missed me. So I called them and went, you've just missed me. <laughs> but anyway, I had it in my back and then it kept bumping um, my back. And so I had this massive bruise on the base of my back at the end because I just had never really run with it. So that was my lesson. So you nothing. just try it and then, then realize that no, nothing new on race day is just, that's a good way to go. Mm -hmm. exactly hindsight is a wonderful thing <laughs> okay well okay so since this london marathon which was now almost eight years ago or over eight years ago oh my gosh have, Take it back. yeah i know have you run another marathon since then or are you planning to do one or how does running fit into your life now um in my head yes i'd love to run another marathon <laughs> in reality um i just don't I just don't think that I could do another one. I'd love, because it's just such a time and commitment. And um, at, it was a real moment in time for me, like you said, with the job and the stress, and it was just a real release. Um, and I think my life's been kind of quite sporadic that I kind of moved and lived in different countries and I was living in the Middle East and it was really hot there. I mean, you definitely aren't going out training out there. Um, and so right now, I would say probably not, but I still do run. Um, and I still, it's still very much a part of my, of my life. Um, 
but I also do different kind of exercises for my body and kind of really I'm more in tune with what my body needs because I, I stopped a little bit actually um, for um, kind of health reasons and then when I started again I was like oh my god my back's gone out my hips gone out and I think you know, when you, your body changes from a routine, it kind of sometimes the injuries kind of pop up. So I've been doing quite a lot of Pilates and stretching um, and just kind of really listening to my body and making sure that I don't. Also, when you get a bit older, you know, running isn't always the best thing. It's really about trying to kind of protect it, care for it, have some kind of like more strength training and stuff. So that's, you know part of my growing up lesson to myself <laughs> that you just can't keep running all the time um but I still really cherish you know, that kind of sense of freedom like I think running will always always be there for me because I love putting on the trainers and just going and um just it does give that real sense of release I really love running in nature um, so when I go home to Scotland, I was up actually in lockdown with my mum for three months, um, which was impromptu, but it got me back to running um, along with my kind of business idea, which I know we're going to touch on shortly. But um, being out in nature is just, it just really helps me breathe and just feel connected. So I still love running. Um, but as we talked about, definitely slower um, which makes me sometimes a little bit sad and I do have to have little talks to myself when I you track because I kind of just like to know how far I've gone and if it's not as fast you know I just have to be nice to myself and realize I'm not 20 in my 20s anymore and it's okay don't worry <laughs> the fact that I'm still doing it and moving is a positive absolutely I couldn't agree more it's funny because when I had an interview with one of my uh, podcast guests a couple of weeks ago, you know, we were sort of talking about the Boston Marathon and I, she asked me the same question. She said, you know, do you think you have another marathon in me? And I said, I don't know that I do, honestly. I don't know if that's something I want to achieve now. I think I'm more like you, like running in nature and, and running as far as you feel like it's whatever. And then as I was talking to her in the pre-interview as well as throughout the podcast episode, I was like, Boston, you have to run a certain pace, right? In order to qualify. And mm -hmm. it gave me a goal to maybe not run the marathon or qualify for it, but at least build in some training that would make my pace faster. Even though I don't necessarily want to run that fast for a marathon, I just want to see if I can train my body to get faster. I'm just curious, yeah. you know, and right now, luckily my body still is cooperating. Um, so I have to honor that, but uh, at the same time, be careful that I don't change that. Yeah. Just at be kind of like time, listen, new injuries and stuff like that. Just listen to your body. Exactly. So once my body tells me, you know, you should slow down or, or take a break or rest or whatever I will. But I think, having a, any goal because right now races are not on the radar. You can't train for a race, but yeah. training for something. And in my case now, I think pace would be an interesting thing to, to look at, I guess. Yeah. No, I think that's a great idea because um, with the, 
uh, if you do kind of like interval training and that you need to just change your style of training, um, but it's totally possible. Like, you know, the other week that I made you do hills instead of hump day, we'd have hill day. Kind of yeah. doing hills or sprints up hills or different types of sprint is a good way to kind of help. But it's just different and it, it, it's kind of pushing yourself, but don't push too far because you could definitely pull something. Yeah, exactly. um, But weirdly, you know, I was having my having my kind of uh, groundhog day and I've like not found my route here like where I'm really in nature and I was thinking actually today I was like that's what's kind of missing a bit for me I'm feeling really frustrated I'm not feeling like I'm moving forward or achieving anything in my kind of work life um, because of COVID and you know it's very hard for all of us to kind of feel know where there's an end or what the future holds or and I think it's so unsettling for everybody and for me the running is a really kind of again tangible immediate thing that can make me feel like I've achieved something and feel good about myself and I was so I was kind of reflecting that I was like I really need to try and find that place where I can go and run and just get away from you know just my mind and expectation um, and so I'm determined I need to find my route in nature here <laughs> yeah no I I'm I'm very fortunate to be in an area where I can find that pretty easily so I hear you I don't like running on the road per se or I don't like running in a park with many people I like running in nature I don't care if the, you know, I pass people or whatever, but it's nice being, being in an open space. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm also was really conscious about for some people, you know, they don't have the ability to um, be, you know, near a park or depending where they live, you know, if you're in a big city, it's hard. Um, and so I guess it's, if you can't find, the place that if you need nature like just being outside is a good thing or mixing it up like what you're doing in terms of the way that you run is also a good way to kind of keep it interesting you know whether it's doing stair sets or sprints or just something that gives a variety and makes you kind of feel that you're achieving something different is also kind of interesting well there's stuff that I've done in the past also where I've tried to do like little sprint sessions to try and mix it up and see if I can relive my you know 15 year old self that used to be quite good at sprinting <laughs> your glory days of the eight oh I know exactly where I thought I was like amazing and would win everything at sports days well I didn't think it was amazing I thought it was okay that I and I'd win stuff and then I went to this university in the UK called Loughborough which is like the biggest best sports university um, at the time and I was, I got there and I was like, oh, wow, I'm bad. Because <laughs> everyone's so good. It's like the top sports people all go there. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, I guess plan B, I'm not going to be a professional sports person. <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes those things in life uh, put, it put things into perspective. I know, I think that's then I went into, okay, I'm going to do a drinking degree instead of like a proper sports degree. So maybe that's when the worm turned and I kind of went into my slightly, you know, hedonistic days. And then it obviously came full circle. Running came back to me when I needed it. There you go. So, 
Speaking of uh, full circle, and a couple of years ago, you pitched me this running-related business idea. Well, what is the latest on that? And can you tell us where you stand with it now? Yeah. Um, so I know this has been like a, an idea that has been brewing for many years. And um, I've always worked in big corporates. And so this is the first time that I've kind of venturing into the startup world. And it's it's quite hard it definitely is hard to get off the ground um but i've always been um really passionate about getting people to move because you know when you move you feel good about yourself just facts the endorphins you know it's like and i see people so unhappy and i see girls feeling unhappy and the pressure and i'm like if you move you will feel better um you don't have to run you just move that just walk whatever and so i was kind of and my other half, he works in sports and he was kind of talking about this, um, a race and you kind of, if you win, you won like a golden bar. And I was like, actually, let's not do about winning. Let's just be about taking part. And so it's about basically, it's, it's going to be, once I get the funding, um, an activity-based kind of incentive app where you pay a pound, you sign up to a challenge and that can challenge you can either walk or run you don't have to be a runner um, and then if you complete the challenge you get eligible into um, you're eligible for the prize draw where each week there's small cash prizes um, but then if you commit to doing it for the six weeks you when you get into the bigger prize pot um, to win a bit more money so there's also a percentage of money that goes to charity so within your pound or dollar, um, there'll always be a percentage that goes to charities. So even if you don't win, you know that charities will win and you've done something good for yourself. Um, so it's about using multiple, multiple kind of motivations to try and get people to create habit forming behavior really, in a nutshell. <laughs> so that's the idea. I've been talking and talking and talking about it. And um, I just there's lots of definitely moments where you feel stuck or you feel afraid about, can I actually do this? And when lockdown happened, and I was up in Scotland, I said with my mum, and I was like, if I don't do a pilot now, you know, this is the time when people have, um, I've got a captive audience. We were allowed to go out and exercise um, during our the UK kind of COVID restrictions. So everybody was properly going out and exercising. So I did a pilot over um, a six week period, round about, I think it was Easter time, wasn't it? May, May time. And um, I got 40, 40 friends and family to do it. And it was brilliant. And every week I would do a live draw on Facebook and I had the wheel of names where people would, um, everyone that completed it was entered into the draw. Um, and it was, it was a really great vibe. Everyone really kind of embraced it. And what was amazing was I was trying to do the kind of small cash prizes as, to kind of reward people, feel good about themselves. And then everybody actually ended up giving it to charity which was a really lovely insight. Um, so what I'm doing now is um, fundraising. So I've kind of registered as a limited company, trademarked everything, and I'm now going out to fundraise. Um, but it's tough because obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic and people don't have excessive you know, um, money available. Um, so I've got a few investors, but I'm just trying to go out and 
uh, raise some more money so then I can build the minimum viable product is how it's described so that I can do a proper pilot um, outside my friends and family, make sure it's a really nice experience because what I did was really clunky and thankfully everybody was wonderful and supportive and, and did it. Um, and then try and kind of create the app and launch it and get more people moving. That's the goal. Yeah, I, I, when you pitched it to me a couple of years ago when you were visiting us in California, I, I loved it. I thought it was a great idea. I love that, you know, you have the choice pick your poison like run or walk like if you don't want to run just walk because walk walking will eventually get you to running because you will your inner competitor will get you there right and when you did the pilot Trisha I don't know if you know this but this was my return to running participating yeah participating in, in your pilot during COVID was really getting me back to running more than just once a month. <laughs> so thank you for that because it has, you know, perpetuated all these other things. You yeah, know, it was my, amazing. We've, we've been on the, the same kind of journey, haven't we? Yeah. So I, I'm, and I've, I look at running in a completely different light now because to your point, it was really a, a, a release for me to get outside because we could go outside. We could exercise, you know, in the fresh air and my gym was closed. So all I had was running and your pilot was really what got my butt in gear. So thank you. Oh, pleasure. Well, I know for many people, they really, they really enjoyed it and having that focus and purpose during such a difficult time and actually i'm going to start doing a second one soon because loads of people are like can you bring it back we want focus again um and it was it was it was lovely and it actually made me realize that you know, if i don't manage to get the funding i'm still going to keep it going in some shape or form because i really believe in it and i really really kind of want to make it happen and i i really want people to move and feel good about themselves because it's funny when I kind of talked to some people, so I had a few people who were um, not that active that were like, they call me Thompson. They're like, Thompson, if you can get me moving, then I'm in. And so, and they've embraced it. And um, they, they were kind of like, but I don't run. I'm like, that's fine. You do not need to run. This is just walk and just start. And just, you don't put pressure on yourself. Just try and achieve like, you know, the miles each week. Um, and feel good about yourself is really what I'm trying to do. And you know, that's the ultimate goal because when you move, you do feel better. You might feel a bit, I was going to swear and realize I can't swear. You might feel a bit rubbish <laughs> at the end of it, but then you do kind of have that sense of achievement going, you know, that kind of wears off after like two minutes and then the euphoria of going, oh my God, I did it lasts a little longer. So, um, you know, I would love to, I really love to make it happen. It is definitely, the goal is to um, attract kind of more inactive people and inspire them to move. And what I need to do is just kind of hone the product a little bit because I, I really want to make sure that there isn't that kind of sense of fear or judgment. But then you've got to get the balance of also trying to support people to do a bit more because I think instinctively we all like to kind of talk ourselves out of something. So um having that little bit of goal setting but achievable goal setting also know that you don't need to come first to win um you know and so 
I, I really want to build out a, a kind of community that cares for each other, supports each other, and also gives to charity. And that's what I loved about the pilot. There was that like everybody, so actually this uh, friend um, who's a student won and she gave all her money to the charity. And I was like, that's amazing because, you know, students, you know, have a tough life. And I thought that was just brilliant that she did that. Um, so I think the charity, especially what's happening now with COVID, I don't know what's happened in the US, but you know, the UK charity sector is set to lose about 4 billion in revenue. And if we can keep giving you small, and also people are being asked a lot all the time to, to give to charity. So if you kind of combine that sense of doing something for yourself, but also giving you, it's just those kind of incremental moments that build up to something much more meaningful. Yeah. Sorry, I'm like rambling. <laughs> No, no, I, I, I agree with you because I, I think, you know, moving and getting outside is something that you can do for yourself. You don't realize it until you do it, but having the opportunity to also then share, um, with the outside world, um, by giving back to charity, that that's just, you know, icing on the cake. It's yeah. funny because right now I'm probably financially the most unstable I've been in my life, but I'm much more willing to give to charity now than I have been ever before. I don't know if it's because of the endorphins from running, but that's just what's happening. It's just strange. But I yeah, guess no, it's funny. I think that as, as humans, we all like generally you, you feel better when you do something nice to other people if you even if it's a smile or it's like some act of kindness or giving or that you always feel better and actually we can all be so insular and the world like you know the society that we were living in was it was hard like everyone was just so focused about i've got to be successful i've got to pay the bills i've got to do this i've got to do that and the one thing that covid i think is really really brought out is that sense of community and caring for each other um and that's something that i just want to keep building momentum around because it's something that's achievable because it's a small amount of money and you're just also doing something good for yourself so it doesn't feel like it's this big enormous ask which you then kind of talk yourself out of but it's just something that's kind of achievable does good for you does good for the community so and it's cheap you know the, you don't have to go to the gym and pay gym memberships because it's all in you it's accessible that you can kind of create your little challenges and make yourself feel good yeah i can't wait for you to do your second pilot because i'll be your number one supporter no i know you're my like i loved it you're my californian contingent we did <laughs> i had somebody i had someone from um he was he's in the army and he was actually based in um palestine so i had a someone from palestine and someone from california in the pilot so i thought that was pretty cool there <laughs> we go i know i really want to get it to a place because i would love my pilot to be wider but it's quite clunky and you for people like they they can have another any excuse not to do it so i, I need to kind of get my product on point and then i'll launch it to a kind of wider market is the plan yeah can't wait 
as I said. If I, if I can get through my, you know, groundhog days. It is actually, it is a kind of battle of kind of believing yourself because you kind of, I really believe in the product and then you just seem to get a bit of momentum and then you kind of have a few steps back and you hit a brick wall or, and so it's just, it is, I mean, I'm up for the challenge and I'm loving, it's a new way of learning and um, not everything's easy and on your plate. So I've just got to persevere and make it happen. Absolutely. Being an entrepreneur is no uh, easy task. I can, I can attest to that for sure. Oh, I know, but we'll get there. We'll get there. I mean, if we're, passionate about, time. If we are passionate about the project or the product or the service, then it's going to be successful. Yeah. And, and I do, and I 100% believe in it. I, and I think everyone that took part in it loved it as well. Yeah. So, you know, onwards and upwards. Exactly. No, I, I love the concept. I think it is unique, I'd say. And I think it will be a huge success. If you can build a community and you can do a referral program of some sorts or whatever, the bigger the community, the better, of course, the, you know, the turnaround. So you'll get there. I know it. I know. Okay. Now, winding down to our close, what has been your proudest moment in life, inside and outside of running? Uh, so 100% London Marathon within running was amazing. Um, definitely best day ever. And I was listening to Taylor's uh, podcast, and I'm like, Taylor, keep going you will get there and whether it's a virtual marathon or not, I am totally up for running a part of the marathon with Taylor and getting her through it. So um, I reckon Antonio, we should do it. You should get all your podcasters running with Taylor, I reckon. Okay, we'll do a virtual relay with Taylor. Yeah. I she love it. She was so amazing. I loved her, she was incredible. So much life experience and just, you know. And insight, like insight yeah. on herself is just amazing. So I just wanted to say, high five, Taylor, you're awesome. Um, so outside of running, um, at the time um, that I did the London Marathon, I was also working for Sky TV, which is like um, the biggest TV kind of platform in the UK. And um, they had uh, a big program where they invested in British cycling because they wanted to, they're in 10 million homes and they really wanted to have a positive impact on um, UK communities. And they saw a great opportunity in cycling and helping it at both the elite and grassroots level. And I ran the whole grassroots program, which the aim was to get a million more people cycling uh, regularly in the UK. And so it kicked off in 2008. And in 2012, we managed to get a million more people cycling because we were tracking each year. Um, and another aim of the programme was to get the first British winner of the Tour de France. And Bradley Wiggins won the Tour that year. So 2012 was the most awesome year of my life because I did the London Marathon. Uh, we got a million more people cycling. We also got like 150 of our staff um, to cycle from London to Paris and we watched Bradley win the tour. Um, so it was a pretty epic year. I would have loved to have been there. <laughs> I know it's quite hard. I kind of go, how on earth do I top 2012? And then also then we came back from um, 
Bradley winning in Paris and Sky had invested in British Cycling and the whole British Cycling team then went on to the London Olympics and totally smashed it out of the park and got gold medals galore Chris Hoy, Vicky Pendleton uh, it was just amazing um, so it was it was definitely one of the best years and I'm not quite sure how I can top it but I look back at it very fondly very cool um, so what are some of the most important lessons you learned from running since you started well you started back in school so there's a lot of time for lessons there's a lot of time um, I think the most um, the centering piece for me is that it's always just been that sense of freedom and it's really accessible. So yeah, I lived in the countryside in the middle of nowhere. There was really limited options and you know, running was that place to go to where I wanted to kind of feel free and um, feel good about myself. And I think that over time, it's always been that place where you can kind of connect with yourself and enjoy for the endorphins <laughs> um and uh so the kind of important life lessons are it just kind of makes you value yourself and realize you can do anything achieve anything and you even just running one mile two miles just makes you feel good and it's just easy and um and i just would love everyone to do it because they can feel good about themselves i mean you will you'll feel a bit rubbish at the beginning but then you'll get better and then you'll be like wow i can do this um so for me it's it's definitely i would say laterally in life a, a lot around mental health management as well um and you know when you have the kind of highs and lows of life um i find that running really helps me to manage my mind so that's probably the most important lesson for me yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm in the exact same boat. And, and I would say it's a rather recent development, um, having gone from, I mean, that's, I've had phases in life where, you know, uh, going through a divorce in 2009, running was definitely something that brought me back to you know, stability. And then I took a long break and then something else, you know, whether it be, started changing a career, my career, whatever, I came back to running. And now COVID, running was certainly something that got me through or is getting me through still today. So I can, yeah. it resonates with me a lot. So I know, because it's like, it's really tough right now. And every day is, it's just hard to kind of go, right, well, what, am, what are we going to do? What, how, where are we going? What's happening? And actually running or being a walking just gives you something really practical and tangible just to go out and do and get away from everything and feel okay you know and it's okay and day at a time and we can get through this and um it's it's definitely really helping me to kind of having feel a bit more centered yeah i just wanted to i was going to use the word grounding New, yeah running is very grounding and so um, I, I, I've been needing that a lot in the last two months. So, yeah. To that, to that point, what, last question, what would you tell someone who says I can or I will never run or running is for crazy people? Well, I have, um, I did, um, I love this quote, which is actually on my social feed for my business, where it's movement is medicine for the mind. And I just can't encourage people enough 
just to get out and move, whether it's running or walking, cycling, yoga, jogging, you know, being active, you know, makes you feel so much better about yourself and you are doing something positive for your body and for your mind. Um, keep a healthy balance. So nurture and protect your body. It's, it's the only one you have. So don't go like obsessively you running, make sure you do have the balance. Um, but you can do it. It's, it's achievable for everybody. And we are, lucky to be on the planet so get out and see it and enjoy it amen i love it when people you know go travel for running you know i one of my favorite activities is to unfortunately we can't do that right now but is to have a destination race go grab your girlfriends and go run a race and then enjoy the weekend and that's running is a great way to see the world to your point you know um, oh my god! I know. Well, funnily enough, when I went traveling, um, I had my trainers in my backpack, and um, I remember landing. I'd always wanted to live in Australia and be in Australia, and I landed in Melbourne. First thing I did was put my trainers, and I ran down and saw the the um, the cricket ground, which was really famous. <laughs> but I just was like, I just want to run, and it was again when I was traveling, a great way to just explore and see places. Um, by just kind of getting on your trainers. I mean, my sense of direction is terrible. So I inevitably end up running further than I plan to, but it is a great way just to kind of explore, explore the world. Completely agree. Yep. Well, I think we, we've spoken for, what, an hour plus right now? So I know. <laughs> but it's always so good to catch up. And I love that you were willing to do this episode with me. So thank you for your time. And thank you for your passion. And I can't wait to see your business thrive. Because I, as I said, yeah. I'm your number one supporter. And I think it's a great idea. I love that it, it gives back to charity. And, and it gets people moving. So... Good luck with all of that. And um, I love it. Yeah. It's been an amazing experience. I have to say, kind of preparing for it, um, it just made me reflect so much about actually how movement and running has been so important to me. And actually, kind of sharing it on a podcast, you feel quite vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like opening up about everything. But it's been it's been awesome and lovely to talk with you and I'm so excited for you and your journey as well that um, you know, I never like going back to your original question, I don't think either of us ever imagined that we'd be here today when we're standing at the, the finish line of the New York Marathon. Maybe we need to do New York one day. I think we do. I think we might do. <laughs> we might be the oldest women running the New York City Marathon, but I think that's a good goal to have. I know. There's just quite a lot of hills, though. I, London's great because it's flat. I mean, I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to be doing Big Sur, I can tell you that. Nice. Well, let's, let's put New York City on the calendar for 2030. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds a plan. Okay. All right, TT. Great to talk to you and have a great week. Thanks, girl. Man, I love this girl. From the moment we met at the office in New York City, I just knew Trisha and I would be friends. I had an idea then that she was pretty remarkable, 
but her mission now to motivate people to get off the couch and give back to charity just solidifies my belief. Please join me in wishing her all the best with her development of her app and the building of her community. Stay tuned. Some final wrap-up notes before we go. In case you're looking for me in other corners of the World Wide Web, the best way to find me is on Facebook and Instagram under my name, Antonia De Heinrich. That is A-N-T-O-N-I-A-D-E-H-E-I-N-R-I-C-H. And on the I Quit X and Started Running Facebook page. To subscribe to my podcast, simply go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whichever your favorite podcast listening platform may be. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I look forward to welcoming you to my next episode on Monday, July 27th. Until then, my friends, quit whatever you're doing and start running.